All right, we're just going to jump right into it. If you have your Bibles or smartphones, we're going to be in Psalm 119, verse 97 to 104. All right, so Psalm 119, verse 97 to 104. One thing to note as we're reading this passage is that throughout the Psalms, there are eight different terms referring to the Word of God, right? So as you read it, and whenever you see law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, and ordinances, these are all referring to the Word of God, right? So just something for you guys to note as we read together. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from the evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. See, today we're talking about the spiritual discipline about reading the Word of God. But it's not about reading the Word. It's about loving the Word. Imagine this, okay? Imagine that a man walks into a room, right? He walks into a room, and he sits down. (laughs) Only one man. And he begins hearing music, right? And he starts listening to the music, and he loves this music, right? This is music that he is just getting so consumed by the more and more he listens to it. And what's the impulse when you hear good music? You move, right? You you groove, you react, your body just responds. And so the more and more this man listens to music, the more he bops his head, He starts tapping his foot. He starts slapping the bass, right? He is just, he is in his own little world, lost in the music. He's enjoying what he he hears. Then, imagine a deaf man who has never heard music before in his entire life. He walks into the room also, and he sits down next to this other man, and he watches him. It's a peculiar sight. He, he watches the man, and he, and he sees that he's clearly enjoying himself. So he, tries, he decides to try it for himself. The deaf man closely observes the man and begins imitating him. He also bops his head. He also taps his foot. He also slaps the bass. And at first, his movements are a bit off. He's a bit clunky. But the more and more he observes, the more his actions align with the other man till they're in harmony, in perfect sync. Now suppose you or another person walks into this scene based purely on what you see. 
what would be the difference? Nothing. You, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference because both of these men are doing the exact same thing. But from what we know, from what we understand, what is the ultimate difference? What is the point slash moral of this story? It's that only one man, only one man is moving in response to his love of the music, while the other man is just going through the motions. One man is enjoying the music, while the deaf man is only enjoying the actions. Thank you, guys. And so, here we are, reading Psalm 119 and learning about the spiritual discipline concerning reading the Word. And I chose this passage and I share this analogy because it has to be perfectly clear that it's not about reading your Bible more. It's about loving God's Word and responding. The psalmist says how he loves the law. He loves it. Isn't that weird, right? Like, we don't, we don't, again, when we think of, like, loving the law, it's, it's kind of weird, like, saying, oh, I love, I, I love not, uh, not going above the speed limit or stopping at red lights, right? No, he, he's talking about God's word. He loves the word of his Lord. And he, so he disciplines himself to meditate on it all day long. And so what are spiritual disciplines? We've been talking about this for the past couple weeks, and we've been unpacking how they're habits that deepen our relationship with God. They create space that help us experience him more. They, they are the way we obey the commandments in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul tells Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. The goal of every spiritual discipline is, the, is godliness. In other words, it's, it's describing holiness, sanctification, Christ-likeness. The, the purpose of spiritual disciplines is intimacy with Christ, being made more into his image, inside and out. But there comes a struggle when we start bringing up disciplines, spiritual, even spiritual disciplines, the danger is that we can easily fall into legalism. In, or in not talking about it, we can fall into laziness. And it would be a loss for us. It would be a loss for you today if you hear everything that I'm saying and you read your Bible more, but you're just going through the motions, just like the deaf man. And in the same way, it would be a loss if you don't read your Bible more if you don't enjoy it. See, we can all be like the deaf man, just going through the motions, finding joys and hope in the actions, in our own actions. And this was the same fault that the Pharisees had, right? They felt that by doing these things, they, that's what made them godly. They found joy in the bobbing of the head, in the tapping of the foot, in the slapping of the bass. 
but these things, spiritual disciplines, are just a means to godliness. We aren't more godly because we pray more or read the Bible more, but instead these biblical practices, these spiritual disciplines, they're a means that result in true, deeper intimacy with our God. And on the other side of that is laziness. When we say it's not about reading your Bible, maybe it's you know, out of fear of being legalistic, or, but it could feed into laziness or apathy towards the Word of God, where, yeah, we hear the music, but we're unmoved by it. We don't, we, we just, oh, I hear it, it's just noise. I'd rather listen to something else. So, again, it's not about reading your Bible, but that doesn't mean don't read your Bible. Look, if I told you this, if I told you that, you know, my relationship with Katie, my wife, it's really been struggling, it's not, but if I told you, hypothetically, it's really been struggling, and I hope you would ask me why, right? Good conversation skills, you ask why. And my response was something like this, was, well, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I listen, I, I learn about her at least once a week from Justin, and I, I'm constantly venting to her about work and my family, and I'm always communicating to her. I'm always telling her what I need, asking her to make me food and help me with my problems. And man, to be honest, like, yeah, I don't really listen to her. Uh, sometimes, like, I don't get anything out of what she says. Like, it doesn't help me. Sometimes I don't understand what she's saying, or I don't, you know, I don't have enough time to listen to her. I'd rather be, you know, I have Facebook and Netflix to catch up on, or, you know, I'm relaxing with other friends. You guys are laughing. Why? Does that sound like a, a good, loving, healthy relationship? No. You guys are shaking your heads because it doesn't. It sounds unhealthy. What's the problem? What's the problem in that relationship? Yes, me, <laughs> me I'm the problem. <laughs> well, what would you tell me then? What, what would you tell me in love? I hope you would tell me to stop being lazy, to listen to my wife, to spend time with her, to love her, to go on dates with her, to just not talk to her, but to hear her, to listen, to be with her. Isn't that reasonable? Doesn't that make sense? Am I, am I crazy here? Is that not good advice? So it's not, it, it wouldn't be legalistic of you to tell me all those things, to tell you to love and listen to my wife, to pay attention to her. It would be loving. And I believe it's in the same way that it's not legalistic for me to tell you to read your Bibles. It would be if I told you read your Bibles or else for salvation, right? Or read your Bibles or else you're going to go to hell, right? That would be legalistic. But no, it would be loving of me for me to encourage you, not just today, but daily, we need to read the word. We need to be creatures of the word. We need to listen to our God, spend time with him, be with him. 
That's not legalistic. That's loving. And so, to assure you guys, I do listen to my wife. Like, I love to listen to her. Uh-huh. And, but the reason why isn't so that I could brag to everyone else of how I'm this great husband, better than other husbands, because I listen to my wife so much. But the reason why I listen to my wife is because I have a real relationship with her. I love her. I enjoy her. I'm excited to hear how her day's been. I'm excited to learn more about her, to figure more things out, to hear her, her jokes, to laugh with her, to know her from her, not from anyone else. And, I, and so I love the psalmist here. I love when he says, well, how he talks about the word of God. And I love how he doesn't just say he reads the word daily. He doesn't say that. He says he meditates on the word. What's the difference? Well, how many of us have read something and then completely did not like retain any of it and had to read it again? Right? Several times? Or maybe it's like this. It's, it's, like, it's a difference between hearing and listening, right? Because sometimes when we hear people, we, we just hear their noise and wait for our turn to talk, right? But listening is you care about what they say. You're just not waiting for your turn, but you're attentive. You care. You receive. The psalmist, he meditates on the word of God. It consumes his heart and his mind and his focus. It was his meditation not only in the night when everything was silent and still and he was alone and he had nothing better to do, but it was his meditation in the day. Even when he was busy with life, even when he was with people, even when he had stuff on his plates, he was consumed by it. He was thinking about it. It was interwoven into the, his daily thoughts. He was filled with the word of God. And so, if Christianity for us isn't a religion, it's a real relationship with the God, the real God of the universe. And we love God because he first and infinitely more loved us. I believe we'll love his word. We'll love the truths in this book more than we love new thoughts or opinions or the ideas of others. And we'll fight to spend time with it, just like I fight to spend time with my wife in the busyness of life. I love what D.A. Carson says. He says, you know, people... They don't drift towards holiness, right? They don't drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of loss of self-control and call it relaxation, 
we slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. So the question is to ask ourselves, to be perfectly honest, when it comes to God's word, are we legalistic, lazy, or in love? And I think lots of times there might be this mixture, there might be this tension, this struggle. But I think for us to ask the hard questions is to start to mending an unhealthy and broken relationship. Moving on to verses 99 to 102. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I weigh your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. Here, right? Here we see the psalmist show us just how important God's word is to him in his life. They are the source of his insights, the source of his understanding. They keep him away from evil, from destruction, and so he focuses on them. He obeys them. He keeps them close to him. I, I don't believe we can ever overstate the importance of God's word. As children of God, the word of God is one of the most important things we have because it's the way we know God. It's the way we know him. He, he's speaking to us. That's what the word of God is. That's what the Bible is. Do you believe that? That the Bible that you have in, the ha- in your hands or on your smartphones aren't just some words of man, clever men, but they're the real words of God speaking to us, showing us who he is, telling us this is who he is. So that each morning or night, whatever your schedule allows in your daily rhythm of life, we ought to run to his word because we read his words and they tell us how awesome he is. That's how we know we have a God of mercy and love, a God that says he will never leave us nor forsake us nor abandon us, a God that says, look, don't be like the rest of the world that worries about tomorrow. Don't be anxious. I'm going to provide A God that says, everything that happens, I am working it for your good. I am sovereign. I am powerful. I'm a refuge to you. I'm a rock. Lean on me. This is God. He's telling us who he is. He's speaking to us. He's revealing himself to us. And that's why we read it. That's why we memorize it. We put it in our hearts. We devote time to it. God reveals him himself to us. It is God's word, the sufficiency of scripture that will shape us, that will mold us into the image of God. It's not the preacher. It's not me. It's not Wilson. It's, it's, 
the, the strength of God's people has never been a man on a stage or a woman on a stage with great speaking abilities and a mic. Or even a, a full set of worship team. A full set worship team. The power of God's people has been in his word, in who he is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says how all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that a man of God may be complete, complete, whole, full, equipped, ready for every good work that God has planned. The next hard question to ask is, do we really believe that? Do we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture and how we see the world? Do we believe it in how we view our own sexuality, our own identity, or how we view others? Do you trust God's word especially when you give advice to others or when you talk to others? Or do you trust your words more? Do you, you trust in the power of, of yourself or other people's words? Verses 103 to 105, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I, I love how the psalmist describes God's word here. He says that it's sweeter than honey. For me, that, that sounds so delicious, right? And, and maybe you don't like honey, Right? Maybe you don't like sweet things, but you have to understand what the psalmist is trying to say here. He's trying to say that, look, imagine your favorite food. Maybe it's Korean barbecue, right? Juicy Korean barbecue, or maybe it's In-N-Out or ice cream. The word of God, right? is more delicious and more filling than all you can eat Korean barbecue. The word of God is more juicy and savory than In-N-Out burgers. It's sweeter and more delectable and refreshing than ice cream. And earlier in the Psalms, right, he's, the psalmist says, he talks about it, he says, it's more precious than gold. What the psalmist is saying is that, look, if you have a choice between gold, not like little flakes of gold, you know, but like nuggets of gold, buckets of gold, or maybe, we, you know, we, we, we can't imagine nuggets of gold because you've never seen them. So if you have a choice between suitcases of cash, right, or the word, the psalmist is saying, choose the word. Choose the word of God because it's more precious, it's more valuable, it's more filling, it's better. It is absolutely better. Better than our favorite food, better than loads of cash and gold. 
And so Christianity, it, it's never been a matter of demands and resolutions and willpower, which is kind of funny, right? Because that's what we think about when we, talk, when we, when we first think about spiritual disciplines, right? Willpower, resolve, white-knuckle things. But no, Christianity and spiritual disciplines has always been a matter of what we love, what we delight in, what tastes good to us. To the psalmist, the word of God wasn't simply useful to him. It wasn't, it wasn't just utilitarian. During children's ministry, I said totalitarian. Mitchell Lou lovingly corrected me. I was trying to sound smart. <laughs> Trying. But no, for the psalmist, the word of God was pleasurable. And it was a pleasure that nothing else could match. So, next question then is, what do we do? What do we do when the word of God doesn't taste sweet like this? What, what, what do we do when we don't gain understanding from his word? When we try to use the word as a lamp, but it doesn't seem to be shining or working in our lives. Right? Because all this, everything the psalm is saying, it sounds all good and right and amazing. But when, I go at ho- when I'm alone at home and I try to open up my Bible, I just don't feel it. I, I don't taste that honey that the psalmist is talking about. I don't, I don't see it. I, I, rather, I do want to eat cream barbecue instead of this. I do want loads of cash more than this. What do we do then? Do we just give up and say, well, I guess the psalmist was wrong. Sorry, God's word. In other words, the question is, how can I come to the light in the word of God the way the psalmist does? My answer would be, well, the first one, it's like two, far, it's like two part. The first one honestly s- sounds really cliche, but it's, it's to pray. To pray to the God that knew that it would be a struggle for you to read his word, and yet still sent his son to die for you, to claim you as his. To pray to that God because the very same psalmist that says the word of God is sweeter than honey is the very same psalmist that says earlier in that passage, earlier in that chapter, Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law, your word. What did the psalmist just do there? He prayed because he needed God to open up his holy taste buds for us to find joy in the word it needs to be it's a gift from God we need him going back to the analogy if you are that deaf man that can't hear the music that but wants to enjoy the music our God Find joy that our God is a God who gives sight to the blind and gives healing to the sick. And so he can take, he can give hearing to the deaf and he give new taste buds to the broken and to the bland of hearts. 
we pray, God, open the eyes of my heart. Help me. And as we pray, we got to stay focused. We got to fight. We can't be slaves to our feelings. There's a reality to God's word that we have to cling to in light of all the distractions there are around us in this day and age. I think lots of us were, were wired to want instant gratification, right? Like, I think technology is great and amazing, but it's really poisoned us to a great degree. Where we are just, we, if, some, if something takes effort, you know, to bring us, to make us laugh or to understand, you know, we just look stuff up or we just, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of hindered us, right? This, and it's just another distraction among many other distractions. My encouragement is that you got to know it's going to be hard, right? It's not always going to be easy, but we got to fight and focus. Do whatever it takes. Get away from your smartphone or whatever else distracts you. Lock yourself in the closet. Go away to the park. Do whatever it takes. And honestly, we got to read it. Again, this message, it's not about reading your Bible. It's about loving it. But we still got to read it, right? And, and the disclaimer is that that's going to look different for you than it does for me. Right? Because we're different people. The way we read, the way I listen to my wife is going to be different from the way that you listen to you, your significant other or to your friends or your family. For some of you, maybe you like reading in the morning, right? In, in the, when, when the sun comes out or in the afternoon or at night. Maybe some of you read whole chapters at a time. Or some of you can only read a few sentences, but you think about that, you think about that, what you read for a week or a month. You don't like reading? There's audiobooks. There's right? Listen to audiobook. If you if you have a friend that has a really good voice, ask them to read the word for you, record it, play it as you drive. Mark up your Bible, journal, memorize it, make a song after it, draw, be you, right? But you got to spend time with God and his word, however that looks like. You got to fight. You got to figure it out because it's worth it. Because again, what is God's word? It's, it, in a relationship with God, it's him revealing who he is to us. It's worth it. You know, I, I, I talk to lots of college students, and lots of times they'll tell me, you know, what if I just don't feel like reading the word of God or the word of God isn't for me? I totally understand that. I understand how that feels. And, and I'm reminded of, you know, times when I, maybe I've been sick, right? Or I haven't been feeling well and I don't have an appetite. You ever have that? Right? Where you, you, know, you just don't feel hungry, but you know you have to eat. 
We know you have to feed your body. It's a necessity of, 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 of our nature. Our souls, they need, they need to eat. They need the word of God. And I, I pray that we wouldn't fill ourselves up with spiritual junk food, even though that's easier, right? That's easier to consume. That's easier to go to. But what we need is the word of God. My prayer for us is, is that as a church, we would encourage each other, right? It wouldn't just be me lovingly telling us we need to be people of the word, but that we would show each other grace, remind each other, be, work. You know, I think there's a beauty when community comes together and encourages one another with the word of God than just us doing it by ourselves. I did Whole30, it's this ridiculous diet with Katie, Justin, and Belinda, where you can't have like carbs and sweets and added sugar. Like, it was horrible, right? For 30 days. But I know that I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't, if I didn't do it with Katie and with Justin and Belinda, right? I, I'm just, I'm, to be honest, I'm not disciplined in that way. And even when I talk about the Word of God, don't think that it comes easy for me. But it helps to know that we're not alone. That it was a struggle for all of us. And yet we remind each other what it's all about. We keep each other away from legalism and away from laziness. And we keep each other in love. In love with God. Because again, he first loved us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for, for your word. That you spoke to us and you revealed yourself to us. And God, I know that it's going to be a struggle. Spiritual disciplines aren't easy but we need you. Help us to hear the music. Help us to hear you and to respond well. Because without you, we're just going through the motions. We're just doing things from our own power. We need you. May your word be sweeter than honey. In your sweet, sweet name we pray. Amen.